Okay, welcome to Viral Solutions and uh, Church Marketing SOS. And I have the honor and the pleasure of having the most brilliant redhead you'll ever meet, Sayla. Welcome, Sayla. I'm so happy to be here, Tom. I love what you're doing. I love that we're helping churches as they continue to grow, even through pandemics and, you know, hopefully normal seasons on the horizon. So thank you so much for having me today. Oh, fantastic. So, Sayla, you've been um, doing a lot of branding and messaging with uh, not only churches and nonprofits, but a lot of other different types of businesses. But here, um, churches and nonprofits are um, most likely to be our audience in this episode. So can you give us a little bit of background in how you got started in that and where you've all been in life and all yeah. that good stuff? Well, uh, oh, I'm the gal who every February counts down to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if you're a Super Bowl fan, Tom, like I am. Hopefully we've got some pastors in here who are, okay, all right, we can hang in this conversation with this chick, okay? Hey, my I team has it. lots of those trophies. I'm not sure about yours. I know. You have way more than my team does, right? <laughs> so I equally love the game. I'm an NFL girl at heart, but as you know, those commercials are just you know what so many of us tune in for and so I remember you know back a million years ago you know kind of growing up and going to college thinking I want to write commercials for the Super Bowl you know I want to you know live and work you know maybe a big city and you know Manhattan or such and be a part of an advertising uh, firm my background is a blend of public relations and advertising but what's really neat is that the Lord began to turn my heart to see the uh, the heart of the nonprofit, the heart of the church, in a way that it needs to be equipped to communicate, just like those big brands do. And so that is where I took a background with PR and advertising and began to get involved in the nonprofit world, specifically in donor development. And I hope you see they parallel, just like a big brand may have 60 seconds and pay millions of dollars to get a very you know, clear message across that they need to engage with their audience. That is a lot of, you know, a, a lot of translation into ways that churches and nonprofits need to be as effective and concise with saying, we need to communicate with our donors in a way that they know what we stand for. And so that began just a, a whole career of now, you know, I think I've worked over 15 years or so helping to equip communicators to be most effective in whether it's speaking to their donor audience, to a mass audience. And I get so much joy out of just helping those leaders gain more confidence because, you know, when you've got those right words to say that express your heart and resonate with your mission, um, a leader can just be all the more effective in getting their message across. So I'm going to take an opportunity to take your point about leadership. And then you also mentioned 15 years of experience. Now, come on, Sayla, that means then that your husband Michael's leadership nonprofit is probably about the age you started at at about 10 then, right? <laughs> We've been in it a lot. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Can you can you give a um, plug out there to this nonprofit that that you and your husband Michael work into? Because I think it's really relevant for um, our audience to know that you not only um, teach it and help develop programs 
with churches and nonprofits, but you also do it with your husband for a living. Yeah. That's a good point. You bring that up. And I should say, I do it as a volunteer. So I know there's a lot of pastors on here saying, I don't know if I can afford or who to work with. So I volunteer in the trenches and that's my way to give back. And so about nine years ago, when my husband and I relocated here to outside the Oklahoma City area, we launched our own uh, nonprofit organization called LoveWorks Leadership. You can learn more at loveworksleadership.org. It's a youth leadership organization. And what's so neat is Michael and I, again, pulling back all those years previously, he had been uh, involved in the nonprofit sector always on the programming side, kind of on the front lines. I've always been involved more in the business and the corporate side. And so it's so neat. He, he thrives on building programs and casting vision. I love saying now, how do we tell people what we're doing? Where does the money come from, you know, and working in that way. And so, yeah, we, we work with youth, uh, primarily middle school students, 11 to 14 year olds, um, even a little younger, a little older than that. We teach them uh, leadership development, uh, personal character growth and entrepreneurism. And so I get to have a big part in helping us communicate to our donor audience. We are totally supported as you many churches as you are by passionate and concerned individuals who want to make a difference and I'm a big believer this is probably my one soapbox I stand on is just that I'm a big believer that the church and the, the the role of the nonprofit when it comes to communications is to extend that that mission and that value into the hearts of their donors that's so many donors I know Tom you've worked with hundreds and thousands you know I've had a privilege to work with so many as well they long to be a part on the day-to-day -to, -day, to be in the mission field to be in, Correct. you know, touching people's lives, to be a part of a care ministry. And so many of them can't due to their right. jobs or their careers or where their lives are at. And so you get the chance through your communication. That's why we're focusing on effective leaders and communication to say, but your fingerprints are on their lives. That's what you get to do through your giving. That's what you get to do through your support and your involvement in the mission. And I see that as the extension of the heart and the mission, again, of a church or a nonprofit, out to their audience, not only the people they serve within, you know, kind of their programming capacity, but in the larger realm. So that's the part I get to do. And I just absolutely love it. Well, that's no small role. As you know, um, all of these folks out there are wearing multiple hats, juggling multiple roles. And you talk about that in some of your presentation material that that's the reality of donor development. Can you speak into that a little bit? Mm. That's a hard reality. Let's, let's just acknowledge that. If you're listening to this today, you are amazing. We know you are tired. You might be, you know, bivocational. You might be full-time, but juggling, like Tom said, like all these different roles. And let's not, you know, diminish how, how intense that job is to lead, to communicate, to champion a vision, and then to fund it and take care of it and do all that hard work. And I know it's one thing to stand on a platform and preach. It's another thing to be the last yeah. person there vacuuming at the end of the day. Okay. <laughs> I've been there. I still am there. Yep. My husband does a lot of that stuff too. I mean, it's, you know, it sounds a lot of times more glamorous than it is, but that's mm -hmm. the role and that's the job and that's the calling that you've embraced. Um, right. I always get a good laugh. I know this is probably not the most Christian movie to reference, but I always get a laugh um, when I see a, a, a screenshot that I have up in my office of a, a, a Tom Cruise, you know, and he's got that exasperated look on his face. He's like, show me, show the, me money. the money. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. 
you should have a picture. Maybe we should throw it up here in the talk a little bit. But it's just that look of, you know, when it comes to the fundraising side here, you know, just tell me how we're going to keep this thing going. And, you know, where does the budget, you know, what, what does the, what does the rainy day fund look like for so long? And so just want to tell you, you're doing a great job, pastors. You're doing such a great job. It's not easy. But I do believe that there is grace for the calling that's on your life. And I know that that's why Tom and his team and so many of us just want to come alongside to encourage you and equip you because it's not easy, but we know you can do it. Well, let's then go into talking about how you coach and teach and train um, nonprofit leaders on how to communicate with their donors. And I know that something you and I are a lot alike on is that we like to keep the conversation very real. So can you talk about what you've observed in typical uh, communication with donors? Absolutely. That's a great question. Let's talk on that today here. So for about the first uh, eight to 10 years of my career, I spent that working uh, full time for um, a a couple organizations, primarily one significantly, uh, full-time donor development. So I worked with middle to high uh, major donors. I will tell you upfront, major donors are a huge part of my personal passion. Uh, I just absolutely love working with them. I've written an ebook on how to work with them. And that's just a place um, I think just we'll talk a little further even today, just nurturing their heart specifically. So valuing all the donor, but spent the majority, you know, number of years working specifically cultivating relationships. And you're right. Uh, they have to be authentic. They have to be relatable. I love to say we move at the speed of relationships. And so the movement of growth in your organization, the, uh, you know, it comes from the trust that's developed in real and authentic communications. And so I do think that voice needs to extend through your e-digital communications, but specifically um, when, when you're looking at saying, how do I relate with my donors? You know, how do I talk with them? Let's first acknowledge that they're real and that they're human. And so uh, just for fun, I've, I've come up with, I say three different personas, you know, we're all kind of into personas. Facebook's got our avatars everywhere. So if we could say, so okay, you have an image that's the, face of each of these donor types? Uh, no, let's flip that. Let's flip it a different way. I have okay. three different ways that I tend to find an organization approaches their donor communication. Ah, okay. So can, we, can we go there? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I just want to make sure we were clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, this is as I can dig into an organization, I can look at some of their, their voice, some of their tone, some of their style. We're kind of hovering here kind of a little bit more at a, at a paradigm level. It's a little bit more of like a mindset level. of How do I talk? Now, real quick, just for context, like we said, you're super busy. And so when we're all really busy, I know you're just trying to get the job done or you're just running off of top of mind. So that's where this little litmus test of these three characters, I think, can come into play. So ask right. yourself as we unpack these, maybe which one are you? Okay, let's have okay. a little fun with this. So the first one I like to say is your chatty Kathy. Um, it's the person who, when you get a, you get in front of a supporter who you know is going to make a great difference for your organization, you you just got to get it all in. You want to talk to them <laughs> about everything. Yeah. You want to you want to you, you know you, it's like you just got this window of time and you've got to make sure they know what's going on in the church, what the mission stands for, how important they are. Like we're just cramming it all in, right? <laughs> Do you think that comes from passion at all? 
I think it comes from passion and a tiny bit, maybe a fear. Okay. You know, I mean, sure. that's, that's, you know, probably more for a psychologist to dig yeah. into, but I do yeah. think it's like, what if they stop giving, you know, what if they, what if I don't get a chance to meet with them again? They're so busy. You know, a lot of times, you know, people who give at significant levels have incredibly demanding schedules. Yeah. Right. And so I feel like sometimes we feel like we have to shove it all in or we have to justify our value. And so we okay. just cram it all in, you know, we don't realize this is a conversation that gets to happen over time. And, and, um, and just maybe when we flip that perspective, I find a lot of reasons they say, Oh, that's what, that's how we do communicate. Maybe it's a little too much or a little too one directional, you know, I'm not allowing right. that donor to speak into our story. What do you think, Tom? Does it, how does that resonate with you? I've seen that. Absolutely. Um, uh, I've noticed that a lot of people that are put into this role um, are one of two things. They're either, like you had said, wearing lots of different hats, or there's somebody that was put into that role because they love the the ministry that they're connected with, and they resonate well with that donor, and that just happens to be the personality, Chatty Kathy, that comes along with it, right? Rather than, mm -hmm. oh, for example, in many well-established, well-groomed corporations where that person is actually trained on a process. Yeah. Okay. I also find too, Chatty Cathy's can, it can be almost accidental because they're murky in their messaging or they're mm. messy in their messaging. Okay. And so it's just fragmented, you know, when I don't know really clearly what I'm communicating or what the purpose of this moment is, I just talk, you need to fill the space, you know, how many of us get awkward with quiet space? So we just oh, absolutely filling it in and filling it in. And that's where I feel like whether it's fear or just trying to justify our value and we, that leans into confidence, you know, it takes a lot to have confidence in our communications and our leadership. We can realize it's just, it's messy, it's overwhelming, it comes across more self-serving, even though that's probably what your intent is not, because it's just running full force into that donor. Right. Now the office, another persona, so if you're not a chatty Oh, you've got another say, one. Yeah, yeah, there's three here. Oh, there's cool. Mm -hmm. All so right. If you're not chatty Kathy, then I like to say you're probably the bus driver Betty, or maybe you're the bus driver Bob. <laughs> we are going somewhere. This mission has a purpose and you are either on this bus or you're off this bus. And I find right. that tone in communications can be very, uh, very Okay. Intense. I give <laughs> white hanky. We forget there's a human there sometimes and, yeah. and it's powerful. The voice sounds very powerful, but it doesn't always maybe tell the story or allow for the donor's heart to engage, you know, with where they are. It sounds like you are in or you are out. And this yep. is what we're doing. Come hell or high water. Right. I like to say these are the churches that are charging hell with a squirt gun. You're like, we are going there. Oh man. man. Ooh, I like that analogy. Very good. You no, know, And that's where you might need to ask yourself, you know, do I take a conversational tone in my communications? Am I speaking at my audience or, you know, with and to my audience? Do they see the, the, the beauty and struggle as we grow forward? So in marketing, we call that pulling your audience in rather than pushing yourself upon. 
Yes. Okay. Exactly what we're talking about. All right. And I think now if you're, if you're kind of now you're noodling on this or the more we're talking, you're like, Hmm, where do I stand on this sale Tom? What's going yeah. on? Yeah. You know, maybe go and look at your last, you know, e-newsletter. Maybe go look at your website for a minute. Go take a quick little grunt test on your social media and look at saying, how do I think this starts to sound? You know, is it, is it this chatty cabby cramming it all in? Is it this kind of more intense, um, Lone Ranger tone and this bus driver, you get where I'm going with it? Yeah. Okay. Or maybe it's our third one. This is one I get really passionate wow, about. Wow. This is exciting. Okay. <laughs> number three. Or are you, or is it like, is it the, the, the beggar mentality? You know, is it the, oh. is it the, I'm, so, you know, I just want to take a few minutes. If, if I could share this with you, you know, is it, is it, um, is it apologetic in its tone for saying, you know, maybe I feel bad, you know, for the way um, that you are, you know, that you, you feel like you're having to engage or want to talk with your audience. You know, this is, this is our, our, um, our beggar Bob, you know, and, and so I, you know, I say that's where, you know, this timid approach that maybe stems from either, maybe it's your mindset and how you view, you know, major donors or how you feel like maybe, I know this is a, a hot button topic sometimes, is it, is that favoritism and how I speak to them or, or, you know, we would be nowhere without them, you know, and just seeing like a lot of that kind of mindset impacts the way we approach. And so, you know, where one tone might be peppy and chatty and one tone might be super direct, this one might be more timid and apologetic and feel like, you know, kind of representing, you know, less because we need our donors in a way that is kind of demeaning to the mission. Tom, have you ever heard or seen that kind of come out of an organization? Oh, absolutely. I, I love your three examples here. Um, I think we've run into all of them. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm a believer that, um, you know, like in a lot of nonprofit setups, their, their donors sometimes bring this on them. I hate to say that, but, mm -hmm. but donors don't like to give towards admin costs or, mm -hmm. but those are realities of operating their business. So for them to get true donor development, developing that mindset, that voice that you talk about, um, I see that as a, as a huge need out there. Um, your, your program is, is dead on. So you talk about three different types. We got a chatty Kathy that you said that's somebody who's, they got to get it all in, right? Mm -hmm. You talked about bus driver Betty and tell them what they need to know. And then beggar Bob, mm -hmm. where it feels like it's a burden to be talking to you. Yeah. Do we understand those right? Yeah, you heard it right. It can, I would love to go back here before we end and give everyone a little bit of what they should have, you know, kind okay. of like, okay, those aren't our voices, what should they be? But before we do that, can we talk a little bit more about better beggar Bob? Because I Absolutely. feel like if we were to give this kind of this conversation, you know, a, t a title right now, a topic, I think what we're really addressing is smashing this beggar mentality. And if you're, and if you feel confident and you're listening to this, don't tune out yet. Keep listening because I feel like we all need lots of places where we can just continue to grow in our confidence, you know, and in, in, in our communication, you know, with that. But on the flip side, let's just take a minute and let's address it. Cause I don't see that being addressed in a lot of places. And I feel like a lot of pastors and leaders 
feel like they need to be confident, but sometimes they don't really understand what's behind it or that that's something they're really struggling with. All right. Okay. Very good. So can we have some fun? Can I share a little story? We do. I'd love the fun. This is, this is really passionate in my heart, as you can tell, because it's really real in my heart. Um, for those years working, you know, with major donors in donor development, I feel like the Lord gave me this moment. It was a, it's a moment in time that has forever kind of branded itself onto me because I have carried this defining moment then through like so many points in my career. So let me just take a moment and share this story and make it really relatable. Because again, I talk to a lot of people in development and they just sound like they've got it all together. And we all want to sound like we got it all together, but let's be honest, we got our stripes somewhere, right? We had to learn this. And so yes, we did. I wouldn't say that I necessarily really ever to my remembrance, like remember wrestling with maybe feeling inferior to people who are high wealth or high status. I've worked with um, people in um, all different levels of local and state government. I've worked with major football players, professional football players, major baseball players, Forbes ranked millionaires, Forbes ranked billionaires. So I've, I've had this stretch. I love all these people. I wouldn't say necessarily I felt like this need to, you know, to, to, you know, um, uh, feel more worthy around them. But this moment came to light. So I was sitting in my office one day, this was in St. Louis, Missouri. At the time I worked with a, um, a national international nonprofit organization that worked with helping young women, um, come through, um, really horrific, um, uh, things in their past and, and set their courses back into a, a, into a place of health as they continued on in their lives. And so um, a part of my role with working with donors was to uh, be, a, be, on, be on hand. If our founder uh, wasn't able to speak somewhere, I was kind of one of the next phone calls. And so my phone rang one day, picked up the phone. This, uh, this woman's talking on the other phone, starting to explain this opportunity that's coming up for this women's event. And they're looking for a speaker to come and share about this mission to this group. It's going to be a kind of an awareness and fundraising event. And all of her words went to a total blur as I heard her say the event would be located in Beverly Hills, 90210. I, oh I heard nothing goodness. else after that, Tom. I said, sure. yes, <laughs> I will be there. Flashback. Sign me up on the yep. next plane. Glad to come. And then I would like to say I was professional enough to start working on my talking points and really preparing that presentation. No, I started thinking, what am I going to wear to this, to this, this, you know, this, uh, it was a garden party in Beverly Hills and the mayor's wife was going to be there, all these influential people. And I thought, forget the talking points. What do you wear? You know, do I Mm. wear, you know, wedges? Because if it's grass, stilettos will fall through the grass. I know pastors are probably going, what? Where's the story going, right? So I got my act together, got my outfit together, show up that day. I kid you not, my little like, you know, Toyota Corolla rental car, right? Pulls up to this ginormous mansion. It was like the size of like a square block in Beverly Hills. Just gorgeous, right? I park on the street. I get out of the car. I kid you not. Thankfully, I had on my big sunglasses. Because everyone in LA wears your big glasses, right? right? As I'm walking from my little rental car to this ginormous mansion, I kid you not, it was so perfectly timed. The red double decker tour bus turns the corner to come up the street. Like all the people with their, I think like Beyonce lived oh up the street goodness. or something, right? And I am just walking in like I own here, right? <laughs> They're all taking pictures. I walk into this gorgeous home. 
absolutely stunning. Just dozens of women from all different places of influence and class and status in that community. Uh, you know, just the just just the most beautiful spread. The hostess was so delightful to set this all up so that we could truly present the heart of our organization and inspire these women to take action. And so I'm mingling with the women and I'm, I'm kind of sitting on this, again, gorgeous couch. I'm, I'm seeing labels from um, all the stores on Rodeo Drive. You know, I can literally pick them out, you know, from this purse to this outfit. I can just see just dripping and, you know, all the, all the stature of Beverly Hills. And so I'm sitting next to this woman and we're chatting. I'm trying to make sure I don't have broccoli in my teeth. Like I'm about to speak here and just, you know, just enjoying this conversation with her. She's just literally stunning. Like looks like she walked off a magazine cover, right? So we're having this little chat and she so sweetly leans over and kind of, kind of just subtly whispered to me. She's like, oh, I love your shoes. And I don't know about you, Tom, but oh my God, it's my red hair. I blame it on that. Have you ever had words that just started rolling out of your mouth and you're inside of you, you're screaming, no. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and without even thinking, I, I, I just say, thanks. I got them at Target. Target, Tom. I died. I died this huge. No, Sayla, she's thinking good. She's a miser with my donor money. Yes, 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 yes. My pride was hurt. Us marketers always come up good. with a spin on everything, you know. Yes. That's a great spin, by the way. Yes. And so I was just so mortified. Why did I even say that? Literally in that moment, timing couldn't have been more perfect. The hostess was just standing up to say, ladies, welcome Sayla Hirsch. She's here to speak with us today. I gathered what shards of like, you know, pride I had left in my Target shoes next to her, like Louboutins, right? <laughs> and I stand up there and pull myself together and thankfully was able to, you know, effectively share my heart, share the, the heart of the founder and the, and the message. But here's the part that I'll never forget as we start to unpack this, beverage, this, this smashing this beggar mentality. That same woman came up to me after I was speaking. And I still remember that look in her face because, I mean, just mascara running down her cheeks. I mean, probably oh, the most expensive mascara, probably yeah. more than my Toyota, Toyota rental car, right? Or something. Just pouring down her cheeks, right? She could have cared less what she looked like in that moment. She grabbed me by the hand and began to share with me her story of how she was treated or how she'd experienced sexual abuse and how her heart was to help young women oh who had felt like they were victims and, and to see that they did not have to live their life that way, that there was hope for them. And, and just what I realized in that moment is regardless of where we stand, regardless of what's in my bank account to her bank account, to what my zip code is, to what her zip code is, none of that matters. Because when we work in a way that communicates effectively and confidently with donors, this is what happens. We stand heart to heart with them on the same battlefield to make a difference for the kingdom. And nothing else matters. And I believe to donors, nothing else matters. Again, I'm talking in principle here. They want to know that they stand with you to make a difference. That's right. And that nothing else needs to qualify you. You don't need to, 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 to gain their approvals any more than helping them realize that that is what they get to do through their giving. I find that the great ones at this level are people that truly feel connected uh, to your cause mm -hmm. 
some people may call that a mission or whatever you, however you want to phrase that, um, that that's really what they're after. And then you and your presentation and you representing that foundation or that church is their personal connection and ability to relate yes. with where you kind of pointed out to these three different personalities that needs to tie in mm -hmm. with the, what you talk about at the, the, the connection at the mission level. Is yeah. that correct? Absolutely. And then when those come together, that's when you tend to draw in and build on that oh, relationship yeah. beyond the first that. gift. Oh, absolutely. And we can okay. talk about that maybe in another talk too, is how to, okay. It's one thing to have a mindset shift. Now tell me more how we do it. Yeah. But that's let me right. just say this for you. So you hear this first, your role, you know, is to not to diminish their contribution experience through a timid approach. So just okay. realizing that when I go to communicate, yes, it's on behalf of our mission, but it's so that they have that value and that they see that this is what they're a part of. And Boy, then Sayla, that's some words this. of wisdom right there. It is. And we're all learning and continuing to grow in it. It's not like you achieve this. I feel like it's just a way that we're all saying, okay, I need to continue to invest time, you know, to, to, to grow in my tactical donor develop, development, in my, in my strategic, in my mindset, you as a communicator will impact all of that. Um, and then how we do that, I, I think maybe we'll save that for another conversation, but how do you identify donor motivation? Wait a minute, Sayla, you mean you're going to give our audience all of these fantastic pointers and you're to. willing to come back and talk some more and deeper? I think we should. There's a That's whole fantastic. lot of ways Thank to you. break this down. Today's Thank just you. talking, you know, kind of at a heart level. Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's one thing we can give you from today. So let's okay. bubble back up for a minute to our three personas. All right. We looked at them through the lens of what can be, you know, clunky and cumbersome and not appealing to your donors. But where are the good attributes from those? You know, I say it's kind of finding that right balancing point. And so for the chatty Kathy, she, you know, what we're going to pull from her is that we need to make sure we are communicating um, colorfully. We need to have a level of narrative and of story. You know, we can't just be, you know, information driven. We're about to get there in a second, but we need to make sure we're taking, you know, the people who give to your church onto a, a story in a way that they see that there is, um, that, you know, where is their context for story? It's an emotion. It's in transformation. You know, a lot of times that persona is t -t -t talking all over the place. We want to take them on a narrative and a journey of seeing their impact. And then from our bus driver, Betty, we don't want to take them somewhere that just is all happy feeler. We need to ground it in information and in, in testimonials and metrics and in critical details that don't just make us sound like a bunch of zealots, you know, that just feel good, but we're really grounded because every story, in fact, I like to say good storytellers are great teachers, not great preachers. So we want to take that narrative and that story of impact and drive it somewhere to where it makes a point. And it's really can be, again, trusted. I don't think you can ever be too careful with building trust when you're asking people to give to something. Our, you know, generosity follows trust. And then with Beggar Bob, I'm going to flip him on his head. In fact, I have this cute little dwarf. I should have brought him. He'd been so cute. He's one of those little gnomes at Christmas time. I keep him for my Beggar Bob thoughts. I say, um, you lead with a heart of humility and that honor paves a way forward. 
And I do believe that there is a tone of honor that comes through donors, um, donor communications, especially if you're working with people who are of high status and high capacity, that acknowledges who they are, it acknowledges how critical they are to the mission. Not in a way that, again, is lesser, but in a way that is truly shoulders back, confident, eye to eye and heart to heart and toe to toe on this mission field together to make a difference. And when you lead with a point of honor, we can unpack that more specifically another day, but I do believe it opens doors into people's hearts that is lasting. All right. So when I first saw your different uh, types of people responsible for donor development and engagement within a nonprofit. My first reaction wasn't necessarily that there was all negative styles of people as some people in an audience might take a look at that as. I looked at it as, you know, each of those different types have strengths that can be molded, yeah. managed, shaped, enhance what they're really good at, mm -hmm. never ask them to do something that doesn't fit within their style. Mm -hmm. Because I find in most of these organizations that um, a lot of times that was a, a donor or sponsor or volunteer that kind of came into that position, not that they were mm -hmm. groomed for that position. Yeah. Um, is this resonate with you? Do you see Absolutely. that quite often? Mm -hmm. So you would kind of suggest that you were to, to not necessarily change that person's perspective or their style, mm -hmm. but to mold it and manage it into great donor relations. Absolutely. Because every brand and every organization has a unique voice and personality. Okay. We don't want everyone to sound the same. And so you're right. You need to see where you're at now, and again, that might even be, I feel like that's even another conversation too, which is how do I become even more distinct in that? You know, what do I take that is the actual language we use or the style we, which we, which we use to communicate or some of what um, is, you know, in our tone. I mean, there's so many little inflections and nuances that are different and your people are going to love that about you. They're going to see that that's your style. You know, we don't want to blend it all to where it's generic. I think we just need to, number one, um, always have a level of self-awareness in our communications. Okay. You know, we just need to always be self-aware. You know, if I would gotten on and talk this entire time and never, you know, asked Tom, you know, he would just been a turnoff. And so like, you need to be self-aware. What is the tone? What is required here? You know, number two, where am I, you know, maybe I, you live and breathe this mission every day more than a donor does. I mean, keep in mind that your communications, your, you know, in-person participation, you know, pops in and out of their calendar. You know, it comes across my email box or in my social media feed, or when I know I'm going to maybe see you or attend an event, you know, so you're just in and out in their lives versus you're in this, in your heart, in your life, in your head every day. That's where I feel like we just need to be sensitive to knowing when I engage with you, you know, what is, what, you know, am I taking you somewhere that is, that is the right place versus just, you know, constantly just driving towards what I desire. So self-awareness, awareness of where you intersect with the donor journey. And then ultimately you want to stand out and shine. I mean, that's what we all need to do here. We need our donors to know what's so special about you and how much you care and, and the style of what you have. And so by all means, leverage those strengths 
and own them and make them your own and just make sure that you're just always having a little wiggle room with that self-awareness to bring in other people or not lose people maybe, you know, in your communication. I really like how you put that. That's a great message. So Sayla, thanks for joining us. We've got maybe a minute or two left. If there's anything that, that maybe you'd like to give our, our viewers a nice little pro tip tip from you, what would you want them to take away from, from this conversation? Maybe, maybe a little piece of action for them to go work on. Okay. Piece of action. Let's go there. I would say in just this conversation for a second and ask you, where does it resonate with you? I, I find that when I'm listening to podcasts, reading books, you know, a part of, you know, conference events, there is something that's jumping out at me. Okay. That maybe your attention is tuning in and out through this whole conversation what kind of brought it back into focus, maybe a little bit here and, and say, okay, now with that, what is an action I can take that moves the needle forward specifically maybe to um, cultivate and nurture those hearts of our significant givers in our church. And so I would just do a quick either litmus test in, um, you know, in your communications and say, oh, you know what, we need a little bit more story or we need a little bit more guided direction to this. Just moving the needle is all we're trying to do. Do you think that's possible to be done internally? Ooh, I don't know, Tom, do you think it's possible? That might be another conversation someday, huh? What'd you say? Maybe another conversation I think another conversation, yeah. It's just what I think of. I mean... I think all of us, whether it's personal communications, business communications, uh, one of the advantages of a third party is a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, that's very true. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So then I'll give you one last action item here. All right. Pick up the phone and call one of your key donors who you maybe haven't talked to. Maybe again, you were intimidated. Maybe you don't know them very well. Maybe you just think they're too busy or wouldn't want to talk to you. Smash the beggar mentality will be our takeaway today. Pick up the phone, call and tell them that you are, they were on your heart and that you wanted to simply call to let them know how much you appreciate that. No motive, no drive, no ask, just how are you doing? Yeah. How are you doing? And we awesome. appreciate you and we value okay. you. You know, that's what the others, it's not just a, how are you doing? Talk to you later, but how are you doing? And then sure. let me just tell you how much we appreciate you. Let me just tell you how, you know, we couldn't do what we do without you and how that much that means to us and that we're praying for you. Have a great day. You can leave it on a voicemail. Don't worry, you can leave it on voicemail. But just pick up the phone and challenge yourself to engage more personally with your major donor audience. That's great advice. Hey, Sayla, thanks for joining us and thanks for taking time out of what I know is is a very busy business life, personal life, taking care of Michael and the kids. Uh, boy, what don't you do? <laughs> Try to I hope you come someone. back and I hope we can have another one of these conversations. I think you bring a lot of value to the table. Love your perspective. It's been great working with you over the years. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. Pastors, be encouraged. You're doing a great job. One last question. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Absolutely. My business is Pipeline. That's P-I-P-E-L-I-M-E. So you can go to pipeline.com. And uh, we would love to explore just where you are at in your voice and in your tone and your messaging and, and see if anything we can do to encourage you just in how you're communicating to your donors. Thank you very much, Sayla. Thanks.